Welcome to the Alberta Prosperity Project podcast. If you're ready to listen, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Thursday, September 22nd, 2022. Welcome to episode 19 of the Alberta Prosperity Project podcast. I'm your host, Hunter, today, joined today with Tanner, who is again back in Lloyd. Tanner, how are you? I'm back in Lloyd. I'm doing great. I'm enjoying the last little bit of warm weather before the cold decides to hammer us all with, you know, the nationwide frost. So that's, you know, a little discouraging. But on the whole, I'm doing phenomenal just because the weather is so nice today. And you, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. It's uh, It looks sunny outside right now, so I can't uh, quite complain about that. There is no snow in the 14-day forecast that I've seen so far, so we're going to uh, hope that it stays that way until about December 24th, and then it can all melt on December 26th. Oh, exactly. and, well, that's exactly right. That's um, exactly right. That's maybe that's, the smartest thing you've ever said in the podcast. I think, and so that's, that's I mean, I think that's what I'm looking for. Unfortunately, I, I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. No, no, uh, but I have... wish I'd said something that yeah. smart. That was brilliant. That was well, pure brilliant. Go. And that should there be, that's one of the most profound quotes. Let's have snow on the 24th. It can melt on the 26th. That's right. And totally I mean, we agree. can, you know, I mean, I'm fine if, uh, you know, I get that we're non-political, but if a politician comes out and says <laughs> that's their platform, I might just have to vote for them. I mean, I, yeah, I no, think I agree. Have to be, I agree. Have to be the I case. That, you know, I love to sled. I love to skidoo. Yeah. I love to boondock and all those things. But now I'm at yeah. the point where if I could live in the warm all year round yeah. and then just yeah. drive an hour to get to snow and mountains, et cetera, that's yeah. what I do. That's what yeah. I do. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned, you know, obviously your love for skidooing and love for um, studying in the mountains and that kind of thing. And I mean, I, I understand the the allure of that. But for me, um, for the listeners that don't know, I have a huge, huge passion for aviation. Um, I used to have a plane poster that had to be removed, um, unfortunately, a little a little lately once there's a little <laughs> ring on my finger. Um, but that's okay. It's, uh, it's, it's all good. But um, I've always loved aviation, that kind of thing. So I'm actually uh, today, uh, first after this podcast, obviously, I'm going to get my hair cut. So listeners, take it in. This is the last time I think I'm ever having this hairstyle. I won't tell them what it is. I'll make them wait till next week to see. Um, but it is going to be something different. So we'll see how that goes. I might have to have a hat on next week. I don't know. We'll see if it uh, if it works. Um, but following that, I'm actually going to complete my aviation medical to get my pilot's license. So. Um, that has been a, a big, uh, exciting thing for me. If there are any listeners out there that are into aviation, um, I am for sure, you know, I guess you could say biased towards getting a Gulfstream G700. Um, current price tag is only $78 million, though. So if a few cool. listeners want to donate um, yeah. and let me know if we want to do a partner program on buying that plane, I'd be happy to uh, fly people around. I'd be happy to, uh, yeah, have it just as my nice little hobby plane. But it might be a little little on the price side for a hobby <laughs> plane. I'm not too sure. What do you? I think I sent you pictures of it did i not yeah oh it's cool it's a cool looking plane i think you're quite correct that if anyone has uh is is interested in donating uh mm-hmm. to the fund Absolutely. to, to yeah. the hunter and day fund mm-hmm. just just for yeah. a plane you know yeah. something so, something not not too posh but just no. just no. posh enough of course i mean i could be you know i'm not being extravagant and buying a uh, airbus for 200 million you know i'm trying to no, stay and live within uh, the means of of course of a, of a free and prosperous alberta and so of course that's obviously what we're looking for um but the reason why <laughs> i even bring up um, the plane thing a little bit as well um is a big, a big news recently just came out uh, that arrive can and restrictions are expected to drop and arrive can become optional so um i guess just getting right into the you know, podcast itself. I don't, if you don't mind me asking, what do you think is the reason for this sudden change in government policy regarding the restrictions in ArriveCan? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, we've heard that they're following the science or following the science. 
you and I and all the listeners and APP and, well, millions of Canadians and people around the world discovered it was political science. They're following political science and the science of power and, and you know, popularity and so on. Mm-hmm. And with, you know, you have the trending hashtag Trudeau must go. You have yeah. national outrage over this app, this Arrive Can app and these airport restrictions, these airline restrictions. You have literal celebrities and former um, athletes, maybe athletes now, commenting on the disgraceful state of the airports in the country and how slow and backed up they are and so eventually the political pressure just seemed to mount to a to a point where not even the mighty federal government can ignore it any longer and reality is hitting them in the face now it might be that it's well it's certainly a political move it might be that an election's coming i don't know you know that's if i if i could tell the future i'd be rich but i can't um and so maybe this is just a play to Mm try and capture more votes who knows i don't know at any rate i'm glad it's gone at least for the moment uh it should be permanently you couldn't find a word strong enough permanently eradicated right Mm. like totally decimated destroyed incinerated is maybe a good word um but but for the present we're happy it's gone yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even the tourism industry itself has been calling for an end uh, to all this. Obviously, myself being very interested in that um, mm-hmm. field as well. It's been the airlines have been calling for an end. There's New York uh, Democrat governors calling for an end to the app, saying that their tourism industry has been hurt by it. Um, but there is something else going on within the world right now, I think, uh, that might hurt even more than what's been hurt by the tourism sector. And that is the entire market as a whole. Obviously, you know, the last number of podcasts that we've done, a few of them, we've touched on the idea of a market crash and the idea of a housing crash uh, and the housing bubble and all that kind of thing. But um, I guess my question now is things keep on progressing over and over. Perhaps you can get into a few of the uh, signs. But is there a market crash coming or is that way in the future for now? Right. That's the big question. Well, we often say, I often say that I prefer to prophesy after the event has already occurred. And I'll probably keep it that in this, in this situation. And I know you'd probably agree. And I'm sure yeah. most, of, most of the listeners and certainly traders would agree. Because again, yeah. if you could tell the future, you'd be rich and you'd know yeah. when to buy and when to sell and what to buy and what to sell and so on. But we don't. And so it's impossible to, <laughs> you can't make these, you know, you can't, uh, it's impossible to totally accurately predict the market in the future, right? Mm-hmm. So is the market going to crash? Well, first we should say that, right, as a nonprofit, we're not a financial institution. And so yeah. we can't solicit or give financial advice, legal financial advice. These are just merely our opinions. And we're going to try and present to the listener or the listeners the facts of what's occurring right now in the world, specifically in America, because that's mm-hmm. still the superpower, even though that power seems to be decreasing day by day. Um, and see if see if um, it might force some contemplation about what's happening. So is the market going to crash? Well, the data indicates, the historical data indicates, yeah, there's going to, I mean, people are arguing if we're in a recession right now or not already, et cetera, et cetera. I take the position that we are, certainly America, I would say. But, but that's a different story. Is it going to be this big, massive 2008-ish crash? That's the question. And so, although I can't accurately predict it, because or you know i can't say definitively just because it's impossible to do so we can give information and a data that might that might give the listener and the viewer some options to think about and to wonder about Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, obviously, uh, you're saying about the uh, the prophecy and that kind of thing. I always preferred and in business school. They often said, look, weather people can't uh, forecast the weather. How do you think you're going to forecast an entire market? And I think that they're usually right. I mean, uh, weather people especially seem to be wrong most of the time. So even though it says no snow, I'm not uh, holding my breath on that. Um, 
but I guess to touch on, to start with, do you maybe just want to touch a little bit on the looming interest rate hike uh, coming from America now? Looks like it's going to be three quarters of a percent. Um, what exactly that might look like for the market as a whole, if that's going to you know increase instability or if that's going to right. help stability, what's it going to look like? Right, sure. Well, so we're recording this just before the the announcement's coming, just as a consequence of our schedules. And you know, I'm off to Calgary tomorrow to speak, which yeah. would be a lot of fun. So we have to do it before the, the rate hike. But it yes. sounds like at the time of this recording that the feds the federal reserve is going to increase rates interest rates right by what is it mm-hmm. 75 basis points yeah yeah right so yeah, three, quarters three quarters of a percent yeah again which is i think what would be the third time third or fourth yeah. time i think it's the third time that they're doing that consecutively so the yeah. interest rates continue to rise in an effort right of course they say to combat inflation now we've already in the podcast previously or in yesterday's little short mini short episode we did we demonstrated that high interest rates and high inflation actually often coexist together high interest rates don't mean don't necessarily mean low inflation right that's an that's an a fallacy basically as old as markets themselves that if you have high interest rates you have tight money you have low inflation but a study of the present shows that isn't necessarily true so even though they're saying it's there to combat inflation i think it's a dubious proposition at best especially when you you know those interest rates will affect the asset prices right insofar as it's going to, it's becoming already much more difficult to borrow and it's becoming much more difficult to sustain the borrowing so as canadians know who have taken out a variable rate on their mortgages as the interest rate climbs even less than a percent even not not even but you know less than a percent even if it climbs three quarters of a percent they immediately feel a serious pinch that's actually beginning to hurt a lot and it's going to continue to get worse because you know mortgages are big sums of money and so even a percentage uh, increase in a rate hike is, is significant, right? It's a yeah. big, big chunk of money. And the same is true in America, right? As the interest rates continue to, to rise, right, you'll see more and more individual Americans be pinched by the rising interest rates. And, and they've mm-hmm. taken out this debt, and now they're trying to pay, pay this debt and, and pay the interest on it. And it's hard. It's difficult. And so... Mm-hmm. Well, it's not going. To, it's not going to you know to help Americans is what I would say. It's going to hurt them just like it's hurting Canadians. Now, you and I were talking about before this about the yield curve, right? Mm-hmm. This yeah. is kind of you probably know more about it than I do because you're more into the stocks and so on than I am. But this is I always found the yield curve and this sort of monetary economic policy rather confusing. It's just a consequence of the way it works, but or the way that it's designed. But to me, it seems like it's set up like this, and I'll, I'll try and explain it. As, as easily as I can and help me out if help me out if you're able to so suppose that you want some money from me mm-hmm. right let's say you want some money from me let's say it's a hundred dollars okay yeah. now you can either say I'll pay you back in three months yeah. or you can say if you give me a hundred bucks I'll pay you back in ten years yeah. so if I agree to the three month agreement the interest that you'll pay me will be less than the interest it will be in 10 years, yeah. right? Yeah. That is, it is, it is, it is, um, it's, it's easier, I would say, to get paid back sooner. I could, you can, you can explain it like this. So suppose that you said, right, you need $100 and you'll pay me back the $100 with whatever interest rate the bank is paying. So let's, let's just say it's 1%. Right. So if, if right now it's one percent, I think I'll get a hundred bucks plus one percent back in three months. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or if I want to bet and think that the interest rate's going to rise to like twenty percent, who knows, in ten years, mm-hmm. then I'll say do I'll do the ten year deal. Now the way that the the way that the curve works is that the longer the time series, right, the longer the time frame, 
often, not often, the higher the interest rate. So from three months to six months, the interest rate should be higher at six months. And then from six months to a year, whatever it is, it should be higher at a year. And then to two years or three years or 10 years, whatever it is, the curve should continue to go up, right? The interest rate should continue to increase. And there's, right, because it's riskier to invest longer. You don't know what the interest rates are going to be. Uh, You have a depreciating dollar. And so you have to have a higher interest rate to recuperate the investment on that dollar, right? There's all these factors that go into the fact that all the audience needs to know is that the longer the investment, right, the longer the investment, the higher the interest rate. That's what's normal. Okay. But what's happening right now isn't normal, right? Mm -hmm. What's happening right now, and can you put the graph up on the screen, that uh, time series graph? Yeah, that's a good graph. So what's happening right now is that the interest rate, the price on three-year, or excuse me, three-month bonds, but three-month investments versus 10-year investments are inverting. Right. This is called it's when the yield curve inverts. And all it means is that the interest rate on the short term investments are higher than they are in the long term ones. And that's not normal. Now, the reason we take so much interest in this is because interest in this is because the yield curve has been the most accurate predictor of recession and depression. Well, since ever, whenever that short term interest rate is higher than the long term one, whenever it crosses over, right, whenever it it eclipses the long-term interest rate as we're showing on the screen you can see um it's an indicator of recession the gray bars on the screen those gray vertical bars are a period of recession if you look right before them you'll see that the red curves and the green lines they flip they switch and one gets higher than the other um and so if that happens now which it seems like it's going to happen now then it's a good indicator of a recession or that a recession is like a one that you can't deny is coming so i know that's confusing but Honestly, all, really what the audience, what the listeners need to know is the interest rate on long-term investments should be higher than short-term ones. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's approaching that it won't be like that. Short-term ones will be higher than long-term ones. That's not normal, and it's a very good indicator that a recession is coming soon. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, just uh, onto that as well, I'll maybe put uh, this one other graph up as well as you're talking about this next point. Um, but do you maybe really want to just quickly touch on uh, put options and call options and the extreme... Um, differential of how much they're trading at right now and what that might right. mean is so, for market. Right, right. So last week we uh, the institutional traders bought eight point one billion dollars of put options. Now you can you can just as well say that that means that eight point one billion dollars of put options were sold. So you have to be careful with the graph. And yeah. again, I'm no expert on, on this stuff. I'm not a trader. Uh, you know that's a gift. Guys who can trade and know all those financial terms are brilliant. But as far as I understand it, it means this. A put option is when you have a stock and your concern or a share, you know, and you're concerned that your share is going to drop in price. Now you're considering selling your share, but you don't want to sell it at a low price. So what you do is you buy a put option and that put option allows you to sell your share at some predetermined price. I think they call it the strike price, right? Before or uh, at any time, if it's an American style put option in the next what is it 90 days or something it yeah. i guess it varies yeah. it depends right on terms of the agreement but yeah okay yeah. sure sure so you know suppose that i have an investment suppose that i have a share of uh let's suppose hunter starts a business flying people around a charter plane go. and so yeah. i have a share in hunter's charter service and right now the share is trading for a hundred dollars a share it's a very expensive company well i don't know if that's expensive that's but anyways <laughs> it's trading at a hundred bucks a share yeah. but there have been rumors that hunter flies erratically and people are nervous. They don't like flying with him. 
And so I'm considering selling my shares, but I'm worried that in a week, the shares are only going to, going to be worth $80 or right. something like that. So what I do is I buy a put option. And that means that even if the shares fall to $80 next week, mm-hmm. I can still sell it for $100. It's a guarantee to, to sell it at that, at that strike, at that price. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's a hedge against falling share prices, right? Against a crash. Sure. Now, sure. so that's what's happening now. And you, it's, a, it's a, there's an abnormally large number of put options that are being sold. Again, you can just as easily say, you can just as easily say that there are an abnormally num- large number of put options being sold, meaning that a whole bunch of people also think that the market's not going to crash, but it's going to get better, right? They're betting that actually the price is going to rise and there's no, there's going to be no issue. And so that doesn't conclusively or definitively state that a crash is coming, but it's just something to watch for and to look out for just because it's not, it's not normal, right? You have, right. it's just a very, very large number of put options that are being sold that were sold last week in comparison to the number of calls that were sold. And so something just seems a little amiss. That's what I'd say. Yeah. Something seems amiss. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And that's a, a great way of putting it. just kind of these people trying to hedge their bet. And so obviously, um, there's going to be winners and losers on this end of the deal. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess only time will tell us exactly who that is. And then we can prophesy about who is right. And we'll, well, yeah, we'll the, figure well, that, that yeah. out. And so no, exactly. Uh, and like, you can look at, you yeah. can even look at the housing market too, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's, so what I've heard is it's cooling, right? Like that's mm-hmm. cooling as well. Yeah. But again, housing doesn't crash like stocks do. Right. Housing is more like a a bubble of air that just slowly leaks out until one day you wake up and you realize that it's it's uh, not worth anything. Right. And then if that happens and who like again, who knows? Mm -hmm. But if it does happen, that will that will really be disastrous. Right. Because here's what you have is you have individuals. Now, I know you don't have a mortgage, but say you had a mortgage. Right. Let's say you have a mortgage on a seven hundred thousand dollar house. Right. So the mortgage broker goes to the bank, the bank. Right. Uh, accepts the mortgage, mm-hmm. the mortgage broker gets a cut. Great, the bank, all that you know, they they make money, etc. Great. Yeah. But then, if the housing market starts to crash, and this is oversimplified, if it does crash, eventually you realize that your house is only worth four hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Well, why are you paying a mortgage for seven hundred thousand if your house is worth four hundred thousand dollars? Yeah, it's foolish. And so, what do you yeah. do? You just walk away. You forsake the house, right? You just yeah. get the get your. You know, they had this. I've heard of this in the eighties. Like dad was living in Lloyd in the 80s, right? Where guys would just yeah. take their keys, the house keys, and put them in the mailbox and walk away, right? Yeah. So it would be the same thing here where if the housing market dropped that substantially, you would see people just take their keys, you know, and just yeah. put them in the mailbox and walk away. Well, okay. Yeah. So then the bank would try and sell the house, right, or whoever, and they'd realize that no one wants the house and you can't recuperate your investment. And then as that multiplies, right, it gets larger and larger and larger. And, of course, you have this massive crash so again yeah who knows right it's impossible to definitively state yes this is going to happen this is like that's the bane of the economist that's the way he always sounds but anyways but it's certainly something to watch for and as interest rates continue to rise and as if people begin to default more and more right if the interest rates become too much to handle especially when they have those massive mortgages Mm -hmm. and relatively stagnant wages that are Mm -hmm. probably not probably that are not sufficient to cover the cost of the mortgage, then yeah. we'll see what happens coupled with the interest rates, coupled with the yield curves, coupled with, you know, the stocks and so on. Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And uh, one more thing here before we conclude. Um, I'm not sure if other listeners are like myself and uh, every single time that they open their stock app lately, they just get more and more sad. So they just stop doing it. Um, I'm thinking about deleting the app from my phone, to be honest with you. That's how frustrating it can get. Um, but I guess if the crash isn't here yet, and if a crash is coming, perhaps, um, what can be done for individuals who protect themselves who are listening to the podcast? Like, is there something um, different that they should be doing? Is there something that can be done? What's the best right. way out of this mess? Uh, that's, that's another good question. Well, again, just because, you know, again, I'm not a financial advisor and I'm looking for the same advice just like all the listeners are. Honestly, yeah. what I, my, my um, piece of advice, although it's not much, is honestly to find it's just to find a, a you know a, a financial advisor who actually knows what's going on and who isn't trying to just sell you things but instead is actually trying to give you advice and recognizes that you know government's printed so much money you have uh high inflation you have all of these problems that they know exist and they're not trying to sell you something that says everything's great because things yeah. aren't great right now right like yeah. the market isn't what it's supposed to be it's yeah. lots of it's a deception lots of it's lots of it's not true and so i would say look for that and then follow their advice because they're much smarter than I am. So Yeah, absolutely. Well, there we go. Well, with that said, um, if the listeners want to check out my haircut next week, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss uh, any future episodes. Be sure to follow us on social media. We're at Alberta Prosperity Project. It's there that we make posts about what's going on within the events. Obviously, Tanner, you're uh, across the province yet again this weekend, so you're looking forward to that, as I'm sure uh, the listeners can tell. Um, with that said, though, if you want to get involved or volunteer, get yourself a membership. They start at $20. That's what keeps this podcast and this project going. We need everyone on board uh, to help us get the leverage that we're seeking. And so we're so excited to see what the future has in store for this great province of Alberta. But with that said, Tanner, uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Have fun in your travels. And we will see the listeners next week.